0: Rob Shank here, welcome to Shank Talks Bonhoeffer, a podcast all about, well, not entirely about Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but let's just say informed by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, and no doubt you have an interest in the man I call uh, dear Dietrich, my posthumous friend, Uh, or you wouldn't be listening to this podcast, or maybe you just happened upon it, and I can interest you. In Dietrich Bonhoeffer. I think he's certainly worthy of your attention. A very courageous young Lutheran pastor in pre World War II Germany, continued his work through the war, but uh, mostly in prison. And that was for his moral courage in standing up against the joggernaut that was Nazism, uh, that was Adolf Hitler the Third Reich, but probably more importantly, it was for the Church and the Church's emancipation from the political bondage, the politicization of the Church by the forces that gave rise to Adolf Hitler and the Third Reich. And that's why today I'm, I'm especially um, delighted to be sitting with a dear friend, a brother, a confidant, and a man who routinely amuses me, uh, Stephen Martin. Not Steve Martin, the comedian, although he can be a pretty good one. That's what I was going to say. It's, <laughs> it's the, the The comedy comes along with the name. but you know. That's right. You could have had another career, at least with a very wry sense of humor. Uh, and uh, Steve, thank you so much for joining me here on the podcast. Steve is the director of communications and development for the National Council of Churches, an ordained United Methodist minister, and most apropos uh, to this discussion, a documentary filmmaker and a darn good one. In fact- that's the funny part, but go ahead. (laughs) Uh, Not so funny when you consider the subject matter uh, of two films that you made, that I'd like to talk about. And uh, actually, Steve came to my attention as a filmmaker while I was doing my doctoral research, and specifically when I was looking at uh, the church struggle in Germany in the 1920s and 30s, leading up to the horror that we know uh, as uh, the Hitler dictatorship, Nazism, and the catastrophe that was the Third Reich. Um, and Steve, you you treated uh, the specific question of uh, the theological corruption of the church in Germany. Uh, And you focused uh, in in your film Theologians Under Hitler, which I highly recommend to everybody. And I'll ask you how folks can get a hold of it. Um, I do want you to talk about Elizabeth of Berlin because uh i know that was the you made that film after theologians yeah they're, under Hitler, they're bookends, and they and let's they, talk and they, about and
1: they deal with different problems so yeah but similar similar historical con- uh, context and and uh similar tell us
0: about elizabeth of berlin
1: elizabeth this is the third film i made actually in that series um and it was uh, uh based upon some research that i came across as i was doing the work for the other films um Uh, There was a, um, this is about 2007, 2008, there was a a new understanding of an an historical figure that um, that had heretofore been um, kind of lost to history, uh, Elizabeth Schmitz. Um, She uh, was a school teacher in Germany in uh, the 1930s and 40s. Um, She grew up in a small town outside of uh, Frankfurt called Hanau um and she was uh she was a she was one of three daughters her, her father was a professor and and uh, she kind of considered herself uh, above everybody else mm. in a certain sense she was smarter than her sisters and she you know she was she's a very ambitious person and um and she went to the university in Bonn and just kind of figured out this is not um i, I kind of want to be in the action a little bit more and this is in 1932 1933 and she, um, she decided to go to Berlin, <clears throat> to the university in Berlin. And um, uh, <clears throat> that put her right in the center of, of the crisis in Germany. Um, she um, recounts how she was out walking uh, and watching the Reichstag smolder after it had burned um she remembers in a
0: journal or a diary or what, what how, where did you come on that uh, material in
1: letters that she wrote mm. yeah and 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 in letters that she wrote and and um and 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 the 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 witness of, of friends that knew her um and she had a specific response to what goes on and i found her interesting because um uh, and this is kind of a contrast. She was a, she was without question a contemporary of Bonhoeffer's. She must have known Bonhoeffer. Bonhoeffer must have known her. We don't have any specific uh, evidence of that, no documentary evidence of it, but they were in the same place at the same time, both studying uh, and, and in contact with Adolf von Harnack and some other significant <clears throat> figures of the time, mm. almost had to have known each other, but had two very different kinds of responses to uh, um, to, the, uh, to the problems that were facing people um, uh, at that time. A lot of work's been done on Bonhoeffer. Um, a lot of work, good, good thinking has been done. But, but in, in the time that I made this film, there was just a brand new understanding of who this woman was. Um, and uh, basically, without getting into a whole lot of detail, um, connecting a, a document that she wrote in the 30s uh, that is understood as the most spot-on critique of the Nazi government by any church leader of the time. Um, it was an anonymous letter, um, and um, uh, and after the war it was misattributed to someone else. I see. And then uh, it's really a fascinating story. I, I love the film because it's kind of got a detective story kind of mm. edge to it. Um, it does. In the way that the uh, uh, a, a man was— um, searching through the basement of a church in, in her hometown. And uh, he was looking for a book uh, that was covered in, you know, a, a, a typical church basement, everything covered in dust. Um, Been in many of those. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can even smell it as you describe it. <laughs> and um, uh, and he found a, a, a leather satchel, opened it up, full of her papers. And mm-hmm. in it, there was the original draft of this very famous Uh, Dinkschrift this letter um, uh, that had been misattributed so so it was in her handwriting um, and so therefore the biography of the woman was connected with this famous and yet misunderstood document that she wrote and that's the basis of the film and I think it is especially instructive to us today as we are looking for ways uh, in the church to protect people who are endangered by government policies.
0: Mm, mm, mm. Well, and that's why I think suddenly, not that your films were ever anything but uh, very relevant and instructive, but at this moment in time, they are uh, urgent. I think they are critically important. Which breaks
1: my heart, by the way. I wish I had been wrong
0: of course. Uh, but you know, I want to just share with, uh, listeners that, you know, if you're sitting in wonderment saying, you know, what is going on and how do I respond and how do we process what's happening politically, socially, religiously here in America and other parts of the world, including in Europe, uh, you're going to get a lot of help, uh, in, um, in steve's films so uh the one we're talking about now is elizabeth of berlin so i'm going to interrupt the flow of the conversation steve just for a minute and ask how do you actually get a hold of them? Are they only on disc? They're on DVD. I, I looked for uh, other files of them and couldn't find them. Yeah,
1: so. Theologians Under Hitler is uh, is a, is available on Amazon. You can still get a DVD of that. Um, the other films are actually if you go to Vimeo.com, v-i-m-e-o.com, uh, which is a, a kind of a high quality YouTube alternative. Uh, all three of the films that i made are are available for purchase there all you oh, have to do great. yeah all you have to do in a is, digital file right all you have to do is search for them there and you can either download them or watch them online or whatever and those and vimeo is available as a roku app and you know it's a lot there's a lot of different ways to get to it wow i um, hope
0: you'll do that right away i have them on disc, so i still watch them the old-fashioned way spinning yeah do, <laughs> do people still do that they it's, do wow. uh, you know it, when you think about it it's really uh, 19th century technology <laughs> <laughs> just about, but it's still working. It spins. <laughs> At if least. it spins, I still got spinning instruments. Uh, so I'm, I, I, I watch them uh, on uh, DVD. But uh, you can get them on Vimeo. Vimeo, yes. And and how specifically? When you get to Vimeo, uh, just put in the search field. Yeah,
1: just search for theologians under Hitler, and you'll see it. And It'll you'll see all, up. all yep. of them are there. Yep. Great. Well, up. let's
0: go to theologians under okay. Hitler because. That's really where I want to zero in on. First of all, I want to ask you why you picked the topic. Why why did you even go here? This is so esoteric. It's not on, you know, most filmmakers' list, even documentarians.
1: It's because I'm a uh, a nerd and there's there's no getting around it. Um, I... um, This the the idea came about in 2003, 2004. If you put yourself back in that context, what were the big historical things that were taking place in that time? Well, the big one was that there was a war going on um, that we launched against uh, Iraq. Um, The Iraq War began in 2003. Um, I had I had learned the craft of filmmaking and had some moderate success with it Um, prior to that around a film that i made called muslims in appalachia don't look that one up it's terrible it's a first effort ah, it's dated it's, it's naive. So it's you though. know but but um but through that through that process of making that film i learned a lot you always learn a lot when you make a film or write a book or something like that and and actually i only make films to answer my own uh questions frankly mm. um uh, I'm they glad say they're asking those. They say that the, uh, the the guys that did the Bugs Bunny cartoons, uh, Chuck Jones and Friz Freeling and so on, uh, only did the the cartoons to make themselves laugh. They didn't really <laughs> care about anybody else. And I would have to say the same thing about these films. I'm really grateful that people have um, found them to be important. Um, that's huge to me. but um, but in 2003, um, we had a war going on. And I remember during the build-up to that war, uh, I was in a church. I was an associate pastor at a large church in East Tennessee, and um, I um, I saw what was going on. I saw the, the the push to attack Iraq, building and 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 kind of the anti-Muslim sentiment growing and growing and growing. And um, I uh, I found myself in in radical our opposition to the war. I just every cell in my body was screaming how is this happening uh, don't people understand what a catastrophe this is going to be uh, don't our government leaders understand the differences between this sect in islam and that sect and and you know and 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 that this has nothing to do with osama bin laden and etc 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 everything in my being was screaming about that but um the 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 cry to go to war was overwhelming and i found myself in a church that was very uh very much on the side of going to war i couldn't square with that what's even worse than that rob as
0: pastor you mean right mm. as little different than sitting in the in the back pew
1: well what what's worse is that i found myself uh unwilling and unable to say anything to my congregation mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to bring any kind of moral clarity so i had this um i had this kind of thought of well, what if um, what if some historian starts digging through my papers uh, fifty years from now, yeah. wondering what I said about the most critical um, ethical problem of of the day? What would they find? And I realized that they could look through all the things I'd written in my church newsletters, all the things that I'd written as devotional documents, even if they had tapes of of things that I'd said and. In classes and Bible studies and such, they'd hear nothing. That I'd been completely silent, and that bothered me. That troubled mm. me because I, I've I've always felt that um, that the job of a pastor is not just to bring comfort to the soul, but to also uh, bring a prophetic word when when a prophetic word is necessary. And boy, if there was ever a time when a prophetic word was necessary, this was it. And I felt myself completely. Un, I'll just, it's not that I was unable. I was unwilling. I didn't—I wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't, this is, I wouldn't
0: risk. You know, it strikes me that we know each other so well and enjoy such a, 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 a great friendship. But this is the first time I'm hearing you narrate this. And it tells me why I have such a uh, brotherly affection for you. But, and I admire it greatly. I, I also see now how this, has you tacking towards the subject matter? We have
1: these moments, you know. There, there are all these moments we can point to where, where suddenly, you know, we we had a, a crisis of conscience. This is why I love you so much, too, brother. Mm-hmm. So we find you each know, other. Yeah, yeah, I just, I, I, we have these moments, and then what do we do with them? And and sometimes we sell our souls to the devil. Um, other times we we do what we should do. We we improve ourselves, and for me. That was the beginning of a quest. That was the beginning of a question and 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 the historical parallel that i that I could see was just, well, okay, if um if I was a pastor in in uh, Nazi Germany and I saw Hitler on the rise, what would I have said? indeed. and and that was a very simple question. Um would I have had the kind of moral clarity to recognize this as the problem that it ultimately became, or would I have, uh, or would I have not recognized it? Would I have remained silent even though I did recognize it? You know, these kinds of things.
0: And, um, and, and too many of us uh, kind of casually assume that we would just be uh, the morally courageous voice that is required of us. And of course we would. Who wouldn't have been? And yet, when you think about it, I mean, it. you know, it's helped me to appreciate the real dilemma that many people in that period, in that time and place, we're in, and and I start to understand the silence. But say on, because well,
1: it, it's it's uh, it's it's easy to look at all all of it in black in in black and white when you uh, look at it in hindsight. Of course. So if you know how it turned out. Um, and you know it was a profound mistake for uh, pastors and clergy and churches, entire church bodies, to support Hitler. If you know that's a mistake, then of course I would have been on the right side of history. I'm a good guy. I, I should have known. Well, I wasn't so sure at that mm. moment. Mm. And, I, and I also recognize that when you're in these periods of crisis, it is not black and white. It is not clear. It's not right and wrong, always. It is, there's always a, 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 an element of gray. And I'll tell you that probably one of the biggest reasons, this is on on reflection over all these years since you know since 2003, um, probably the biggest reason I didn't uh, I didn't speak out um, in that situation to my church was I was I love people. Mm. <laughs> I just deeply. Yeah loved people. I loved the church. This is the church I'd grown up in, and I didn't want to be part of any th- division in that church. Mm. I felt like unity in that body was more important than anything, and so uh, I was afraid that if I if I became a polarizing figure in this congregation that uh, it was going to hurt it, and I didn't want to hurt it. I didn't want to hurt
0: anybody, so I stayed silent. Yeah. Did you know that about yourself at the time were you aware of that being the inhibitor? No, I don't think mm. so. I think that came much later. Yeah, yeah. Which is, which is the the power of reflection. Well, How and that's and in a, in a great. you know making
1: a film is a great way to reflect because you get a lot of people to help you do the reflecting. Right. It's a beautiful process because you get to, hmm. you get to contact somebody that you've you know admired their work from afar and you. Um, Uh, You call them up and say, hey, I'd like to make a film about the work that you've done. And they say, well, that's great because my work's been languishing in obscurity for all Mm. these years. And now it's wonderful. And so people are ready to open up. And you put a camera in front of of someone and they tell you, they answer your questions. And it's a beautiful
0: process. Well, I haven't made a film. I've been the subject of a film or two, but... Uh, I haven't made a film but I have written a book and it has a similar right. effect uh, on all the parties but especially the writer for me it was very therapeutic and it helped me to reflect and process and understand myself and those I was the people I you know I wrote about but so you this whole process took you to a certain place that, would eventually bring you to the subject. Right. Of so I just, I remembered, a, I, remembered
1: a, a conver- or, I remembered a book that I read in seminary, and it was called Theologians Under Hitler by Robert Erickson. And um, uh, I remembered the book, and I remembered the particular problem that it posed, the question that it posed, which was, you know, we've got three major, major uh, Protestant theologians, uh, Christian scholars who should have understood. You know, we count on. Uh, professors, we count on academics. We count on um, uh, we count on uh, certainly theologians to, uh, to, to to get it right. And and here's you know here are, uh, major examples. By the way, not just um, not just people who got it wrong during that time, but people who we still read today.
0: Oh, in fact, it struck me when I first watched your film, Theologians Under Hitler. Later, read Erickson's book and then sat with him at your introduction. Thank you very much, Steve. Uh, but it only then occurred to me, I used Gerhard Kittel, mm-hmm. uh, which we'll get to him, but Gerhard Kittel being one of the three uh, here, in Bible college. Right. in a thoroughly evangelical, Bible believing, Bible teaching school. We you use are not Gerhard. A, you
1: are not a thoroughly sanctified evangelical Christian unless you own the full set of Gerhard's uh, Gerhard Kill's uh, theological dictionary of the New Testament and have that displayed proudly That's right. on your it's a it's a profound work um, if, you, if the listener is not familiar with it, it's volume after volume after volume fills up an entire you know, shelf of your library and is still considered to be the most authoritative and uh, the most authoritative study on the Jewish background of the New Testament. Mm.
0: How but Gerhard Kittle,
1: huh? Gerhard Kittel, just again, he, uh, he turned out to be one of the most vicious anti-Semites. Um, of the church of that day, uh, and offered his uh, his work, all of his his work, his his rec, his reputation, everything uh, he offered it outright to uh, to the Nazi government and, and served at the very highest wrong,
0: levels. But in fact, was prosecuted after the war. He actually and died so, as a
1: war criminal. That's right.
0: That's right. Well, not to get uh, too ahead of your story because we're getting to the where you choose to actually well, look at this book. It's significant and use because
1: it. it really does, you know, I want to be somebody who gets it right, not somebody who looks back and say, "Boy, was I wrong." You know, so as a as a as a Christian leader, you want to try to, you know, you want to know the the right lens through which to to see it. I learned one that it's not all that easy to to always know, but um but there are some <clears throat> some basic uh, basic things that we need to to pay attention to when doing Christian ethics and when looking out uh, at the world. Um, if I might just say that I that I learned um, this this whole process of making the film uh, made a, a a profound had a profound effect on me, um, and it made me really think seriously about what uh, what the what the function of theology is in mm-hmm. our lives and. And I learned that, um, with some great frustration, that uh, theology itself often turns into something that we can use to uh, intellectually justify whatever emotional decision we want to make. So I like to think of us as as thinking people, you know, and 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 uh, and praying people, and 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 have all the tools that we need to make good moral decisions. But in fact, I think theology can become so um, complicated, so so twisted, um, and, and we can use our minds to twist it uh, at, in a way that wraps a, a kind of a veneer of reason around and justification around the decisions that we make uh, emotionally, mm-hmm. um, uh, if, experientially. And um, this was disturbing to me. And so I thought, well, what's the antidote to that? And, and it really came down to a very simple uh, equation. Um, Jesus was, uh, was asked, Many times, hey, Master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, that to me is a kind of a complicated way of saying, hey, what's the one thing I need to know? Mm-hmm. What's what's the most important thing, Teacher? Uh, what's the secret? And. In, in all wouldn't it be great if he gave us an answer to that question wouldn't mm-hmm. it be wonderful
0: i think i know where you're going
1: uh-huh he did give us an answer he did, many maybe. many times he said love the lord your god with all your heart soul mind and strength and love your neighbor as yourself mm-hmm. Indeed. which was just a repeat from scripture that he already knew this was mm-hmm. nothing um nothing original what was i think original or at least scandalous in his time was but was when he at, you know there was the there's the one version of that story where he's asked but who master is my neighbor yes and uh, then he goes and tells the story of the of the good samaritan and um, a, a, a story
0: which, we all have to revisit especially in our time
1: right because i think one of the things that it does is it it, it turns the it turns the whole notion of of righteousness and chosenness on its head um the good guy ends up being the bad guy, you know, it, 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 and and it expands the degree to which we are to love out universally. Mm. And we don't really have any choices about who we get to love and who we don't. Mm. And, um, that ethic of love is what really became the lens for which, through which I look at all of these things now. Mm. And that was transformative. Um, and so, um, and it's it's also kind of been revelatory to me to to start to understand how um, how much of theology is not about loving; it is more about being correct mm. than it is about loving. Mm. And so I've really, you know, this, this may make me a heretic in some uh, regards, and as I sit here in my office at the National Council of Churches, I certainly don't want to be labeled a heretic. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> I do think that love has to be the lens. It just mm-hmm. has to be. Mm-hmm. And, the, yeah. and, and, and learning to constantly be more loving um, to more people uh, ends up being the thing that— um, uh, yeah, it can sure get you in trouble, um, but it's the thing worth getting
0: in trouble over. And let me ask you this, and I know because we have lots of conversations about these things, especially these days, but you and I have talked at length about these Questions and uh, I know you, you you're not the authority here on the German Church struggle or what occurred there. Robert Erickson is, and good for you for bringing him. Doris
1: Bergen, Susanna Heschel. There are some really really amazing scholars that have uh, done such a gift to to us. L- let's name them again,
0: because well, I'm hoping folks are scribbling yeah, this down. and I hope and, I can. I, need, I might to need their to look look works. to look on my
1: shelf here to. Um, to remind myself, but I did a lot of work with Susanna Heschel, um, who is the daughter of Abraham Joshua Heschel, mm-hmm. and a brilliant scholar of this period. Um, Doris, of course,
0: Victoria Barnett, whom we Victoria both know Barnett and done a at the Holocaust with.
1: Museum, really, who is is I'd say the top scholar in this field. Um, uh, Doris Bergen, which I think she's still at, in Toronto teaching, a brilliant person who's really done some of the best work on the on the German so if church. you're
0: interested in the moral crises the ethical crises the theological failures in the church these are people to read because while it's not exactly the same precisely the same as what occurred in Germany there are too many common points of reference and this is what I what I consider your great gift Steve in the films that you've made first of all it's a lot easier to digest a film than it is uh, a tome you know to attack 200 400 600 sure. 900 pages uh, so it, it's a very nice way of distilling it down and and helping us to to process it uh, more easily so I'm hoping that if you care about the church and I'm talking to our listeners now I know Steve you care uh, it If you share with us a concern about the moral, the ethical, the spiritual integrity of the church, I hope you'll at least spend time watching theologians uh, under Hitler and uh, Elizabeth of Berlin. And what's the matter with me? Why can't I think of the third film? That's fine,
1: because I've worked with—I had several working titles, so I'm not even sure I could pull it up myself, but— um, uh, it, it, the film ended up being called God With Us. And it was, okay, a, it yes. was kind of a more broad treatment of, of the German church struggle uh, rather than the specifics that theologians have. But you Hitler find are. all three at
0: Vimeo in the same site. Right. Same, right, same little, yeah. So just look for theologians under Hitler. Mm. And listen, you know, it was Althaus, wasn't it? Paul Althaus, who's, who called Hitler a gift and miracle. From God. I mean, this is the thing. Was that Althaus?
1: Yeah, it was Paul Althouse, and this is the thing you find that's just so shocking: is the enthusiasm in 1933. And it's not. I mean, it's to to a degree, it's un, it's understandable. I mean, given if you know if you understand the time, um, uh, the,
0: the, there are contemporary parallels that may help us to understand that kind of errant enthusiasm. But the
1: uh, the the you know the, Germany had been beaten down severely. Uh, they lost World War One lost a great deal of uh, blood and treasure over World War I. Um, they got, a, a, I think even by most modern estimates, a very, very raw deal in the Treaty of Versailles and the Paris Peace Conference, and um, people were mad. People were very angry. And humiliated. And they wanted to, I'm sorry to say this, Rob, I don't mean to say it in these words, but they wanted to make Germany great again. Mm-hmm. And, um, and they saw a, a, a leader who promised to do, who spoke their grievances, who articulated their grievances, and promised to make it right and get revenge on the November criminals who, uh, who, who handed over uh, the pride of Germany to, to the Entente. Um, and just and, as
0: an asterisk, promised prosperity right. for the country because it was in a terrible uh, depression. And simply said, you know, give us five years
1: and um, and if we, you, you know, let us have five years and if we haven't brought it all around, um, you know, and, and and improve the state of things, then, you know, send us forth. Well,
0: they hadn't brought it all around. They certainly brought it all down. And uh, and, it...
1: and five years after, I mean, almost to the date, you see the Anschluss in, in, um, in, mm-hmm. in Austria, mm-hmm. you see uh, the, the annexing of Czechoslovakia and then oh, the Sudetenland and then you see everything tumble from there. And so I think the one thing that I've tried to say through all this is that one thing I was really looking for in this is not to try to to look for the next Hitler, um, but but try to understand the social uh, st- the, the 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 sociology of, of how a society turns in certain directions. And and I have to say that I saw at that time, I saw um, enough of uh, what I think we're dealing with today. Uh, as a possibility that I felt an urgency about making these films as a, as a kind of a warning from history. Now, I also say that, um, that it's not, I'm not trying to say that America is going to become uh, Nazi Germany and that uh, I'm not trying to say that our current president is Hitler. Uh, I, am, I, I am on the record on social media of saying we are perfectly capable of making our own mistakes. Uh, given these circumstances, and, and that's course, what
0: I worry about. And that's a Bonhoefferian theme, you know, we're responsible for our own moment, right? not for another one, and, and comparisons may be informative, but what really matters are the decisions we make in our own time, in our own situation, and certainly examining the experience, particularly of Christians, that's our interest at the Bonhoeffer Institute primarily, although it's much wider than that, but thank you for examining the church and i know that's you know in reading erickson and of and the others we've named it's really about looking at the catastrophe that occurred in the church and how that would contribute to the much greater catastrophe that was the hitler dictatorship that was the third reich that was the meltdown that was world war ii all of that we tend to think that um,
1: that that the Nazis just somehow came in and just suddenly you know opened up Auschwitz the next day. Um, that's not the case. Uh, the Nazis came in and had to build political support just like every um, new regime has to spend time building uh, political support and, and and one of the ways they did that was through the church. they reached out to the church as a constituency that might be sympathetic and we go into great detail in the films about how that all unfolded um, but
0: and, and that I think is, is particularly relevant to our own time, and and in many ways precisely parallels, as you suggest. On the political side, on the larger national side, there may be uh, other ways of looking at that, but looking at the church, I think it bears a striking similarity to what occurred in Germany.
1: And I think the, the main warning is that the church can never look to any human being as a savior figure. Um, and uh, we can never look to a politician as being, um, being a, a, a someone who's going to usher in the kingdom of heaven um, in whatever form we think that is going to be, and usually that kind of turns into a political agenda for us. And um, the church has its own view of the world, it has its own strategy, it has its own, uh, it has its own Savior. And, um, and for me as a pastor— I, it's not that I wanted to critique the church; it's that I wanted to critique the church in a way that would make it a better church, mm-hmm. and um, and I think that that <laughs> unfortunately I didn't accomplish that. <laughs> I didn't make it a better church, but well, you, we can you've, we you've still given us have some a tools. yeah. We really need to pay attention to this stuff because I think it's um, it's it. I, I think. Our collective lives depend on it now, and we well, have to I, make hard choices. I
0: agree with you, Steve, and you can see why I I uh, asked Steve early on to serve as a governor on the Board of Governors for the Dietrich Bonhoeffer Institute. I think you've waxed very Bonhoefferian <laughs> through this conversation. And if you, uh, well, I, I'm just going to say, you know, If you want to be a responsible Christian, let me be this bold. Please, please go to Vimeo and look up Theologians Under Hitler. You'll see two other titles there by Steve Martin. Uh, Watch those, and if that doesn't help you, would you tell me? Because I haven't met someone yet uh, who hasn't been helped enormously by these films. And then if you want to take it a step further, uh, take a look at Robert Erickson's volume theologians under Hitler. I can't remember how long it is. It's not a terribly long It's not very long. It's very readable. Yeah, Yeah. it's very digestible. And uh, and we're going to talk more about this. But Steve, thank you so much for spending the time uh, on this podcast. Really appreciate it. Thank you for the great contribution you've made in these films. And thanks for your friendship and your support uh, by way of your uh, board leadership. Uh, for the Dietrich Bonhoeffer instance. Well,
1: as, as long as we're thanking each other, thank you for uh, being morally courageous enough mm-hmm. to um, follow Christ in the directions that Christ has led you. That's, it's, it's an inspiration to all of us who are
0: watching you and the way you're living your life. Mm, thank you. It's a lot easier to do that with friends and you've one. Nice. So thanks very much.